Welcome to the Investment Turnaround. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world-renowned investors, scientists, and other personalities who share their solutions toward the sustainable transformation of our financial systems. Today, Dr. Bosazan speaks with Jochen Wermuth. Jochen is a German investor who serves on the steering committees of the 100% Impact Family Office Network and the Europeans for Divest Invest Investor Association. He's the founder and chief investment officer of Wermut Asset Management, a German family office and investment advisory firm committed to sustainable investments. Since 2017, he has been a member of the investment committee for the newly formed 24 billion euro energy transition fund. So how did you become such an impactful force uh, for good in the world? What happened in your life that put you on the path to impact investing? And why investing? Well, I met wonderful people like yourself, so thank you very much. I've been blessed with inspiring people like you. Um, I um, yeah, grew up in Mainz on the Rhine. Uh, on one side of the Rhine, you had a government at the time of Chernobyl that said uh, you should definitely not go out and play in the sand pits and in the grass with your children because you'll have radioactive outfall and you'll get sick and get cancer. And the other side of the Rhine, where I lived, the government decided, ah, actually, the radiation isn't much. People are free to play outside. And the first impact I then had observed was the impact of that government decision, which led to friends of my mother on the right side of the Rhine not getting sick and a number of her friends on the left side having cancer and one demanding uh, euthanasia, help in dying for my mother, which is a very emotional, difficult time for her. In the end, she wanted to hold on to her life, but I, you know, you never know what is, is a direct connection or not. But for me, it was clear that the government had taken a decision which could have had an impact on the people living uh, in that country. And uh, so I thought it was good to demonstrate against nuclear power or against uh, yeah, governments taking such random decisions, maybe at the interest of some lobbyists or some people wanting to make money. Uh, but I found myself getting carried away all the time and not being very effective. So I just thought, okay, let me try to become a mathematician, an economist, a physicist, a mathematician, an economist, and try to uh, learn how the economy works, try to move money, and try to have an impact after I make some money. And uh, initially, I just made some money and happened to donate some money to Greenpeace because I thought they were very courageous people that gave me a purpose for earning money, because I thought that money I could earn, I'd give to these good people who you know, highlight real serious problems. And then one day I met Charlie Kleisner, and Charlie Kleisner said, Jochen, you appear to be the biggest sponsor of Greenpeace in Eastern Europe, but at the same time you invest in oil companies. Do you see any issue? And at the time I, I didn't, or I said, not really. I mean, I honestly make my money and I honestly give it to people. And that, in fact, is a situation that many, many endowments, many families, many businesses have, that they may have a charitable arm, which does good things, but the way they make their money may actually cause harm to people or the planet. Um, yeah, and then I had the blessing of having met my wonderful wife, Sasha, who is an environmentalist, studied in Moscow and then in Oxford. And um, she thought it was a good idea to join a Greenpeace trip, or in fact, to initiate a Greenpeace trip for high net worth individuals to the north of Russia. And on that amazing trip, 
Um, we had the KGB successor organization, the FSB, basically chasing us, uh, not giving us landing permission, not giving us departure permission, um, accusing us of, of all sorts of things. But in essence, what it emerged is that in Russia, people don't measure oil production where it's produced. They measure it in Moscow. And what's lost in the way, people don't care about. And so the total oil spills in the north of Russia amount, according to Greenpeace, to 5 million tons a year, every year, which is as much as is spilled, was spilled by BP in the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, I thought that's a nice number. But then looking at a river, which in the spring has all of the oil that was spilled over the winter flowing into it, and there's a 20, 30, 40 centimeter thick sloy, uh, thick layer of oil on top of the river, which the locals have to dig up to be able to fish. Uh, it impressed me quite a lot. And then we went to see and tried to dig up the oil ourselves. After half an hour, we were throwing up. And then we went to see the local doctors who showed us the cancer frequency rates. And it was clear that these oil spills were not just ugly, but they caused people to die of cancer. And next, we looked at the embryos collected by a local doctor with misformed babies. And by that time, it became clear to me that it cannot be the case that I make money investing in oil companies, which in fact make their profit by at the expense of the environment, at the expense of the livelihood of people. So that was the shock that got me to understand that I shall try my best to only be investing in an environmentally positive fashion. So with my wife, we took the decision to join the Tonique Network, the 100% Impact Network, people investing across all asset classes with positive impact, and to join the Europeans for Divest Invest, i.e. a group of people committed to, uh, on a peer-to-peer -peer basis, educating people why for moral reasons, for my financial reasons, it makes sense to sell oil, gas, and coal companies. When we started this process, it was a bit scary because we weren't quite sure what was going on. Is it going to be possible? Can we make money? But today, I'm firmly convinced that we have a wonderful new situation where we can create a planet full of abundance for everyone with the marginal cost of renewable energies at zero, with uh, electric mobility competitive. I think we can come to a world where we lift 2 billion people out of poverty. We allow them access to knowledge. Um, and we have a more democratic, more just world of abundance ahead of us. So I'm, I'm very, very pleased that through some scary initiatives at the beginning, I've now seen the potential of a great future being an impact investor. And I see the future as being one where every single investor, be it a savers at a local savings bank with 10 euros on the account, to large institutional investors will always demand what's the risk, what's the return, and what's the impact, because you can't not do that. Extraordinary. And, and so you are not only using uh, your money to have an impact, but also are politically active. How, why? Well, first of all, uh, as I mentioned, I am an investor at the heart. And, and one of the reasons I became an investor is because I saw my grandmother sold, sold, sell her forestry business and then have very poor advice from a number of bankers which basically destroyed a lot of the wealth through very pure poor allocation to, to low quality investments and that spurred me gave me incentives to learn about investing i learned about the graham and dot 
philosophy of value investing in, in their book, The Intelligent Investor. I learned about what Warren Buffett does in investing. And my investment track record is a very powerful one. We, we, we made 16 times our money in the first 10 years of investing uh, when I made some money at Deutsche Bank. Um, so my skill set is that of an investor without doubt. And as an investor, uh, I, um, I am now very confident that capital will flow and push the green revolution forward, the nexus of the energy transition, transport transition, finance transition, agricultural transition, circular economy transition, artificial intelligence transition, all of that happening at the same time would give us a chance to move forward. However, um, and today it's possible for these things to move forward without subsidies, that's clear. Um, however, the speed at which we act depends on the forces moving against us. And the forces moving against us are um, companies like Exxon spending $500 million a year on denying climate change. I would estimate a total of 5 billion euros a year being spent to denying climate change. And that compares, for example, to an election budget of the Green Party in Germany of 5 million euros every four years. So it is a, it is a very, very uh, unfair battle. Um, what spurred me to support the Green Party in particular was a clear evidence, complete incompetence of uh, German financial officials, the so-called Cum-Ex scandal, where it turned out that German banks had issued um, tax payment receipts uh, on paying dividend. They withhold 25% of the payment in income, to, in dividend in capital gains tax. Uh, they issued two receipts, even though only made one payment, regularly on the dividend uh, cut-off date. It's a date at which there's lots of trading. Until 12 o'clock, you have the right to own the stock plus a dividend claim. After 12 o'clock, you only have the stock, but you don't have the dividend claim. And in this fashion, some 10 billion euros were basically stolen from the finance ministry of Germany. Year after year, thefts were undertaken. The uh, finance minister, Eichel, Steinbrück, Wei. Uh, Schäuble were all informed and they did nothing and, uh, and there were billions being stolen out of the German government pockets all the time and the only party that did stress this was, a, was the Green Party's representative Gerhard Schick and so I thought well these are good people, they have the best economic policy I would like to support them and so I decided to support the Green Party in an election in, uh, in Baden-Württemberg, the industrial heartland of Germany and happily, the, the Green Party became, for the first time, the strongest party in any state of Germany. And it allowed the Prime Minister Kretschmann to stay in power and to continue to push for this area of Germany to become an innovation hub for this new green industrial revolution. So I'm quite happy that I was able to support them there. Um, I then also supported the Green Party in the elections for Berlin and for the federal government again because I felt the odds were unfairly stacked in favor of the old industry. Large parties were getting lots of donations, and the Green Party was getting very little. Uh, as to policy itself, I think it would be very important to have governments in the EU and in Germany which embrace this new green industrial revolution full-heartedly, so then we can defend uh, our strong economic weight in the world and with it our values in the world, and we can project a uh, world of more democracy, more liberal values, respecting each other. So I think it's very, very important that we all work together for the European elections in May, June 2019 to make sure there's a, 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 a green or liberal or progressive 
strength reflected across Europe. Well, brilliant. Thank you for doing this. And along the same lines, can you give us more insight um, as to your work within the investment committee of the uh, Energy Transition Fund, the Atommüllentsorgungsfonds? Congratulations on learning Atommüllentsorgungsfonds Anlageausschussmitglied title. <laughs> 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 not quite. For those who are not German among us, and for me, anyway, it, it takes yes. a while to decipher yes. it. Yes. So, so um, um, if one looks at the um, the climate change issue in the world, then there is this so-called risk of the carbon bubble. The carbon bubble was initially defined uh, in the following fashion. It was to say that if we wanted to survive as a species on Earth, and if we wanted to have most species on Earth survive, we really cannot burn more than 20% of the already identified oil, coal, and gas assets in the ground. And, uh, and this carbon bubble means that 80% of the reserves, which are on the balance sheets of large oil, gas, and coal companies, um, as well as the expected revenues from them, could be as large as 23 to 100 trillion euros of write-offs that may have hit the global economy, 23 trillion conservatively by estimated by carbon tracker, 100 trillion estimated by Citibank today. This compares to a write-off of 15 trillion euros, which caused the global financial crisis in 2008 when the mortgage bubble was written off, mortgage bonds were written off. Um, so there's a real risk to the global economy. And what the Divest Invest movement points out is that if you want to keep your money, keep your savings, you should really not be investing in oil, gas, and coal because the money, these, these companies will disappear. Um, and also by divesting from them and by these companies making no more new investments in oil, gas, and coal comp uh, production or, or, or yeah, lifting new oil and gas, you help to slow climate change. Now, um, as the German government, um, it, it had the following issue. It looked at um, the producers of nuclear power in Germany. The nuclear power plants are being phased out. And these were also the producers of coal-powered electricity and gas-powered electricity. And it had to be afraid that these companies, RWE, E.ON, Siemens partially, would not be around in a few years' time, just as during the last Industrial Revolution, around 1900 to 1914, all but one company was wiped out from the Dow Jones Index in America, as in a new Industrial Revolution, new champions take over. Now, these companies, however, had the liability of paying for the future cleanup of nuclear waste. And uh, the storage is realistic than, more realistic than cleanup. It'll, it'll, it'll radiate for 50,000 years. So they'd have to pay for this 50,000 years the money needed to keep it safe and away from the population. But if the companies were going to go bankrupt in the next three or four years, what would happen is that the liability to pay for the storage would end up on the taxpayer's budget in Germany. And to avoid that happening, the German government tried to negotiate a settlement whereby these nuclear power producers would pay an amount of money to the German government. And the German government would then use this money, invest it wisely over hundreds or hundreds of years uh, to generate the return and the profits to pay for the storage of nuclear waste. And after this settlement was reached in the summer of 2017, the supervisory board of the um, Atomentsorgungsfonds in English Energy Transition Fund um, 
appointed an investment committee, as they call it, of, of five people, uh, very good people, I think. Max Zimmerer is the chairman. He was the CIO of Allianz. Mats Andersen, who was the CEO of AP2, one of the leading Swedish pension funds uh, in that they helped found the United Nations PRI, Principles of Responsible Investment, and the Institutional Investor Group on Climate Change, one of the first to divest from fossil fuels, and as a result, also by far the best performing and now the biggest pension fund in Sweden. Um, Edgar Bartsch, the chief economist of Morgan Stanley in Europe, and Martin Kolbmüller, the former CEO of Credit Suisse, um, and myself. And this investment committee or investment advisory council has the job to advise the supervisory board on the overall asset allocation and the long-term strategy for investing the capital, which must be invested long-term, deliver at least some roughly 5% nominal return, and it must be sustainably invested. And of course, if you look to invest over 100 years, you immediately have to think about the externalities. You can no longer say, hey, I can just make a quick buck here, and by the way, tomorrow Berlin will be flooded. But you immediately have to think in a sustainable fashion. And the beauty of this large amount of capital is that uh, it has a very long-term investment horizon, 100 years or more, maybe maybe 50,000 years indeed. And therefore, you can think about the long term and make, I think, good investment decisions. And what we see in the process is um, there is not just the Atomel and Zorgungsfall with 24 billion, but in total, the Institutional Investor Group on Climate Change has got together 28 trillion euros, dollars, dollars worth of asset owners who want to see a clear price on carbon. Uh, CO2 emissions should be priced at the cost they cost the society. In Sweden, they're taxed at 130 euros per ton, which is equivalent to the health cost locally and to the international climate cost, roughly half each. Uh, they are calling for the governments of the world to really commit to their to tighter targets on CO2 emissions, such that there would be a chance to reach the 1.5 to 2 degree target of Paris. They're asking for governments to put in place regulations, implementing the recommendations of the G20 Financial Stability Task Force, which was that each company and each financial investor should disclose the carbon emissions, the carbon footprint they do. Um, yeah, And so the Atomovergos Fund is just part of a large movement calling for more transparency at CO2 price and for lots of sustainable investment opportunities. And what one sees in the process is that there's a shortage of asset managers able to offer these services. Many do greenwashing. Very few really do offer uh, sustainable investment products. One of them is Generation Investment Management of Al Gore, who have delivered the second best performing long-only equity fund of the last decade with a sustainable approach, proving that by investing sustainably, you not only do good, but you also make more money than the market. But we don't have enough generation investment managements. We need more of them. And I very much welcome the initiative of, of Aqual and uh, your acquisition of a bank to, to try to do that and try to scale asset managers up so the people of the world can put their money to good causes. I think there are 16 trillion euros sitting in cash, European bank accounts alone. If we could lift these up and put them to solve the climate issue, it would be great. We just need globally 1.5% of GDP or 1.5 trillion euros a year, which is just in German letter, German numbers, 750 euros of investment per person per year, uh, which is not much at all. And therefore, I'm very optimistic that we can stop the climate uh, change and that we can move things forward. And uh, thanks to people like yourself. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, uh, Jochen. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned was the lack of uh, asset managers that are able to handle uh, this kind of money and invest, you know, with an impact in mind. The other myth that, uh, well, this is not a myth, but a myth that I keep hearing as an impact investor in the market is that there aren't enough impact investment assets to invest in. Do you agree? I personally don't. Uh, and how can we bust that myth? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that uh, so, so yeah, in terms of myth, one or we, I think we, we partially the industry caused it itself uh, that, yes. that people thought that uh, you 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 two myths. One is that the return is lower than the market return. The yeah. second is that there's not enough investments to look at. Um, I, I I see. Um, I think even Mr. Uh, Mr. Klaus Töpfer, who was at our Berlin Green Investment Summit number one, has always said he sees. Lots of money, like the alliances and other pension funds in the world, looking to buy large-scale running wind parks, solar parks, uh, water power plants, other impactful infrastructure assets. They just can't find any. Uh, you have, on the other hand, IRENA, the International Renewable Energy Agency, who says, I've got a database of, you know, I think last count, it must be close to a trillion of projects available, right? Um, you also have a flood of cash globally uh, through the monetary easing. You have lots of cash in bonds. You have lots of cash in equities. You have lots of cash in buyout private equity. You even have lots of money in venture. Uh, but it seems that there is a shortage possibly uh, in the in the money available for the risky work that needs to be done to develop certain projects, yes? So um, if someone has yes. to go to Kenya and develop a wind park, someone has to give money to a Kenyan wind park developer or, or, or a German wind park developer that goes to Kenya. So I see a shortage of capital in the uh, growth stage of, of, of EU or global SMEs, so people that have already a proven technology, proven business model, and they just can't get scaled up because there's still laws making, so banks do not touch them after Basel III. And um, also, well, there's lots of money in the early, early stage, people putting 1,000, 2,000, 100,000 euros. But this 5 to 25 million euros is where generation investment management's allows floods, and we see a big shortage of capital. Um, but I think in terms of the projects or the companies that we see, we I, I would think we've seen 1,000 or so opportunities every uh, every in the last year alone, uh, and so the issue is how to get, how to raise capital, to take the risk. The return, of course, is that you get a high, higher return than you would get on a bond or on an infrastructure. No, but <laughs> so I, I couldn't agree yeah. more. Yeah. So the question is, how do we break that um, that vicious circle? Because obviously, it is it it has to do with one Basel three or the existing regulations. The other, is, you know, which prevent money managers from, uh, you know, adding additional factors to measure, measure impact in addition to profit. And uh, the other than the investment manager, you know, the, the know-how of these people as to how to do it, uh, the courage, you know, to go out and, you know, take the chance. So how do we break that vicious circle in your perspective? And how, how you know, I mean, we're doing all what we can like you do. <laughs> And uh, to show that, uh, you know, actually you have to gain more than you have to lose if you uh, go for it. And so, but what is your advice? What would you recommend people who are on the edge, on the fence? Uh, I think there's maybe one more, one more 
challenge, which is that we we have, of course, Bertolt Brecht, who said that uh, uh, to rob a bank is nothing; a real professional opens one. Yeah? So we have. <laughs> I have to remember that 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 sometimes when I look at the daily interactions I have. Just yesterday, someone walked into my office. He said, "I have fifty thousand euros. Where could I invest it?" And the reality is that. Uh, where the capital is most needed is in places where the German public or the European public or most public investors can't even get to because there's regulations in place which prevent them from uh, from from joining such funds. And there are also very uh, expensive intermediaries. So, for example, if you take a, a typical private equity fund, it may make 10 investments, and in the 10 investments it may have three rounds of investments. So you have 30 payments uh, just to get into the investment. And then maybe you have quarterly uh, fee payments. So you have four payments a year over 10 years. That's 40 payments. So you have 70 payments to make. If you have a bank in between, let's say 100 rounded up, because you also have to exit later, 100 payments are 50 euros, which a bank may charge. I hope they don't anymore, but they used to. You're at 50,000, uh, sorry, at uh, yeah, 5,000 euros of um, of payment, and it's, it's a huge, huge cost. And so um, uh, the the hope would be that through the blockchain breakthrough, which takes out the, the transaction costs, one could maybe uh, get much quicker uh, more people to sort of crowdfund yeah, at, 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 at a lower transaction cost. I think that's one hope. Um, I also... What else we need to do? So I think that the, the regulator needs to allow people to invest in, in more risky assets as long as, for example, you have someone who co-invests their own risk. I would outlaw any sort of financial advisor like we typically have it in, in, in a Sparkasse today who tells you to buy something without telling you if they would buy it themselves, who would possibly sell you something that they just sold um, themselves. Um, so I think that's a regulatory issue. We also need a change in philosophy for supervision of pension funds and insurance funds, which often are not allowed to invest in a German wind park, but they're allowed to invest in Greek government bonds without having a capital charge. So I think it's a regulatory issue to do. And then somehow I hope we can work together to, to motivate the people who currently have trillions in cash to put a certain portion of that money to work on climate solutions in a credible fashion. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's the big question as to how we get there, which brings us to the part of interior transformation you have to impact investing is all about the intention so in it is my conviction that the road to exterior transformation comes mostly from within so what happened to you how do you lead your life what happened in, to you specifically personally that led to your interior transformation to this opening other than you know the stories that you uh, told us how how that how has your own evolution, interior evolution uh, processed to the level where you, you wouldn't do anything else today? Was it pain or pleasure? And uh, how, what do you recommend to those of us who have not reached that level yet and still hold on to money as a source for security? Yeah. Um, no, I think from you and Charlie, I, I, I learned um, with my wife, we learned uh, to... to the, the habits of, um, or the Tony Robinson book you shared with us, the habits of, of being grateful uh, for uh, for what we have. Uh, for 
from Carla Picardi, we learned the idea that, um, as Einstein has said, it's all energy. Send out the vibrations of what you want the world to be, and you have no choice but getting this vibration back. And this is not esoterics, not religion, it's pure physics, he says. Um, so I think having a practice of be it meditation or gratefulness um, uh, and, and understanding that if you think in terms of abundance, uh, if you think about terms of a whole, you end up in a place which feels much calmer, much safer, and where all of a sudden I, I get more and more of a feeling that any human being, any child, any tree that I come across all feels as part of one. So I really feel as part of, of one with the planet and um, I don't get so scared anymore, afraid anymore, but I can give away, I can make investments. I still try to have the discipline to deliver audited returns which are way above market because I know that greed is a major driver. I believe in the free markets and in the mechanisms of competitions and price signals. But I think um, it matters a lot to to your ability to really find good people and to identify, I think, as you do with your all quadrants, all lines approach, as the, to, identify, to, to find people who are really happy in their surroundings and therefore can be trusted to treat their partners in life and their staff and their clients all well. You could use the Rotary uh, Rotary guidelines. I've recently been at a Rotary 10-year celebration by Gabriele Klug in Köln, and uh, she quoted the four questions which guide their lives. One, uh, is it fair? Uh, two, does it help everybody involved? Three, uh, does it? I need to get them all. Uh, does it create friendship and goodwill? You know, I think that's, I've only come with three now. But but basically, if you have these rules guiding your life. I think that my experience is that you have lots of positive energy coming back and lots of success coming back. And so how to get this interior translation? I like the book, The Letter to a Friend from Tony Robinson. I think that's a great, uh, by a friend, I think, the great book. Um, I think the notes that Charlie has recently shared uh, about how he meditates and his thankfulness practice is great. Three Deep Breaths um, I've read recently by uh, the coach of John Denver. I'm going to get you the lame data. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. You know, the uh, the recognition of the interconnectedness uh, to and the oneness of all of us. That's why we call it a universe, one song. <laughs> yes. So we just need to open up. So in coming to an, an end here, what, what are three specific and most treasured pieces of advice that you would like to share with our listeners? who are on the path? So, so first of all, I think that we are really living in a, in a most wonderful time in history because, um, you know, even though you can think uh, Trump and Erdogan and Putin aren't exactly wonderful people or Miss May, I really think that what is about to happen is that because they exist and because of their reflecting values that many of us do not share, we are ex accelerated in our path to action. So I'm grateful to them because they remind us that we have to take action. And I also think, thanks to people like Hermann Scheer who put in the German feed-in tariff, we are now in a place where the force is with us, uh, going with Star Wars, yeah, the force is with us, I'm with the force. 
the market forces are with us for a sustainability revolution where energy from renewables, electric cars, distributed energy, fintech off, off online as opposed to um, old banks are all about to take over. So it's a wonderful world of abundance ahead of us where people will have their own local power plants and as a result they'll have their own power there will be more democracy, there will be more justice and less poverty. All of that is within reach as we're about to change from, say, cowboy capitalism to civil capitalism. So I think that we should just keep faith that that's out there and let's go for this positive message and don't bother with a negative message. Uh, for me personally, I think I've, 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 I've been very excited and enthusiastic, but also I've been very sad and depressed at times in my life. And I think by adopting practices of meditation, of gratefulness, I've been able to uh, hopefully keep the peaks and leading a very excited life. But when I fall into negative thought, I try to flip back quickly and have the discipline. So I think that's the biggest advice is that for me personally, is that when I flip into negative thoughts or sadness, that I catch myself and say, okay, let's be grateful for what we have and let's move forward. Yeah, so it's the mindfulness practice that helps you become mindful at times of need. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. So where can people um, go and learn more about your work? Where can they join you? Those of uh, our listeners who want to help you co-invest in or help hire you to invest with them or for them, where can they go and get in touch with you? W-E-R-M-U-T-H-A-M for assetmanagement.com which is getting a bit more overhauled. Hold, uh, it's very nice. It shows you the different platforms that we have. We, um, we aren't allowed to publicly market because of regulation to the general public, but professional investors can invest in the fund products that we have. Um, we expect them to make as much money as they have positive impact, which is very nice, and to be very successful. We have my father, who's our chief economist, writing a bi-monthly investment outlook that, that people can subscribe to for free and we share and we share interesting reading materials, research, be it from the Carbon Tracker or, or other great people on our webpage uh, like the readings. We have an annual meeting called the Berlin Green Investment Summit, which, um, which has been, been wonderful in bringing institutional investors as well as family office together with policymakers, journalists and uh, scientists every year in June. June 5, 2019 is the next Look forward to meeting you all there, and we're very, very happy to um, to to talk to anyone anytime. Um, yeah, so uh, Natalie Niberius is uh, our most uh, uh, quick in responding to everybody. You can find her as well on our page. Um, be happy to be in touch. Yes, thank you. Well, thank you, Jochen, and thank you, Sasha, your um, amazing, beautiful, and smart wife. For um, being in our lives, we um, it's been enriched through you, through your presence. So Tom and I are deeply grateful to uh, to know you and uh, call you our friends. And um, we're looking forward to um, keep um, keeping up the the good work. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much, Mariana. For more on Jochen Wermut's work, visit wermutam.com. That's w-e-r-m-u-t-h-a-m.com. To find more information on Dr. Bosazan and the investment turnaround, visit investment-turnaround.com.